wrestling fans, are you ready? This is Tuesday. You people bought a ticket to see me, so shut up. Wrestling Tuesday with Jonathan Hood. First of all, Dusty Rose, I think what you are is a big, ugly, low-class, redneck goose. I know I put it, but I'm most of all the baddest man around in the world today. Follow the show at Wrestling TWT on Twitter and Instagram. But remember, my fireflies, as always, I'll light the way, and all you have to do is let me in. Tuesday, Wrestling Tuesday. The bottom line is, in all my magnificence, you're gonna be mine all night. Here's Jonathan Hood. It's another edition of Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. What's up? I'm Jonathan Hood. Hope that you are well wherever you are listening across the country and around the world. I am broadcasting from the wrestling capital of the world, Chicago, Illinois. Glad that you are with me. Don't forget to follow along on Twitter and on Instagram at WrestlingTWT. Again, WrestlingTWT. All I ever ask is for you to tell someone that Jonathan Hood's talking wrestling, Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday, let them know that, hey, if you're a wrestling fan, check out this podcast as we give you the best in the past and the present and the future of professional wrestling right here on TWT. We've got a lot to discuss here on this edition of TWT. And so let's talk about cancel culture. Let's start there because we got a lot to cover here on this edition. So let's talk a little bit about cancel culture. I do not believe in cancel culture. I don't believe in cutting someone's legs out from underneath them and ending their livelihood based on what someone says. I do believe in the ability to rehabilitate your career, your opinions, your actions based on something that someone said. And as you well know, in our society, you say something and people want to end you. Well, I don't think that based on what someone says, it should end them. But I believe that there should be remorse. I also think there should be reflection. And I think that there should be an altering of opinions, not based on what other people say, but just to be able to not fall behind. Ric Flair for my money, is the best wrestler I've ever seen. If you've followed me for a year, five years, ten years doing this, as far as wrestling conversation, you know Nick Bockwinkle was my favorite wrestler because I'm from Chicago and the AWA was the number one company run by Vern Gagne. And so Nick was always my guy. He was just great. I paid. I didn't pay money. My Grandparents paid money for me to go see wrestling in Chicago and Indianapolis and Hammond, Indiana. It was cool. But when Ric Flair came around and I listened to his promos and I watched his action, I said, boy, this is the best wrestler with the best promo. And a lot of people feel the same way about Ric Flair as far as in ring. The reason why Ric Flair was able to be a notch above Nick Bockwinkle is that 
as a fan, you didn't know anything about Nick outside of his great promos, Bobby the Brain Heenan being his manager, and, you know, it was a great wrestler. He made Hulk Hogan. He made a lot of wrestlers when Nick was wrestling. But with Ric Flair, Ric Flair lived the gimmick and still living the gimmick today in 2021. Going back to the early 80s when he's out there with a great suit and and a great shirt and great tie and looking as only as he can look, as he was getting some of these free clothes from uh, Michael's uh, from Kansas City, as he always told, Michael's from Kansas City always gave him the best suits and ties and shoes and jewelry, all this stuff, right? He lived the gimmick. He wanted to be the world's heavyweight champion. And he wanted to be a step above, or several steps above, Nature Boy Buddy Rogers, the original Nature Boy. The way that Rick carries himself today, even today, as he went to go see Steve Mongo McMichael in Chicagoland over the weekend, because Mongo was dealing with ALS, and there was an ALS walk that took place in Chicago, and Rick was there in a light blue suit, summer suit, and he was there because he's still Ric Flair. He's still living that gimmick. He's always going to dress well. But along with that comes his thoughts about his penis, Space Mountain, because he always was talk about women and being around women. Even though he was married, he was living the gimmick of saying, hey, you know what? I cannot wait to get to this town because the women are gorgeous and all this kind of stuff, right? Well, I don't know if you've watched Dark Side of the Ring. I hope that you get a chance to watch it. If you've never watched that series, go back and start from the beginning. If you're interested in the, really the history of professional wrestling and some of its characters, you should watch Dark Side of the Ring. I have a few favorites. I'll do a separate episode on that later on. I won't get into granular detail on my favorite Dark Side of the Ring episodes. It's on the Vice channel, Vice TV. I'm sure you have it on your satellite or your cable provider. On the, I think believe it's on YouTube, YouTube as well. So check it out. My point is, is that I watched the latest Dark Side of the Ring this past Thursday. And I watched it, and I was, I knew about the plane ride from hell, because that's the name of the episode, talking about the plane ride from hell. This is the WWE going overseas on a private charter with all these different wrestlers on it, from Michael Hayes to JBL to uh, PJ Polanco to Ric Flair to Brock Lesnar, Kurt Hennig, it just goes on and on. That roster from 99 was stacked, and many of those wrestlers were on the flight. Problem is, what that flight is, is that um, they went there, but coming home, there was like a six or seven hour delay, and the drinks were flowing, and, and, got, and the wrestlers were buying drinks, and there was a lot of hostility, a lot of wrestling, a lot of Things that shouldn't have happened on that flight. Instead of just waiting, care, you know, patiently. What they did is they decided to wrestle. They cut people's hair. I don't want to spoil the whole thing for you. You just check it out for yourself. But I do have to talk about this point: is that there was someone that was working on that plane, a young lady that was working on that plane, and she, for the first time, met Nature Boy Ric Flair. Not the wrestler, not the guy from the promo, but the guy. That would go around, whether it is uh, at a hotel bar, whether it's in the back of an arena, or on an airplane. Ric Flair decided to put his robe on while all the boys in the, that were there 
Everyone was in their seats on the plane, and Ric Flair put his robe on, and there was nothing underneath. If you don't believe me, here's the story of Ric Flair deciding that he wanted to go naked with just his robe on, walk in that aisle of that plane. Now, the point is, is that everyone is not accustomed to it, even though maybe the wrestlers are accustomed to it. People that don't know Ric Flair are not accustomed to it. And so I want you, I want to talk about this story. I want you to hear from the lady that was on that plane trying to take care of the wrestlers. And this is the story narrated by Chris Jericho. Hours into the flight, the midair chaos shows no signs of slowing down. That was another situation that occurred with um, Ric Flair for me that was very uncomfortable. Sometimes as a joke, Ric Flair would put on his robe, not wear anything else, and walk that aisle like Ric Flair and then open it up and woo. That's the big high spot. I want to see Rick coming out naked in his robe. So he did it on the airplane for everybody. And uh, that's what the guys want to see. That's what makes them laugh. He could move his hips and twirl it. And so his well-endowed penis spins around like a helicopter. So I'd say he's the nature boy for a reason. He's got a hammer on him. He's left the party. And if you know him, you know where it's to exit the party and, and go to your own safe place or you don't know the rules and you find yourself in deep water and that may have happened and that was in the galley the galley is where our little kitchen area on an airplane Rick Flair was naked in a cape only and then he decided to come back to the galley to get a coke and then he wouldn't leave the galley he had me up back against the back door, um, and I couldn't, I couldn't move. I couldn't get away from him. I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't move. He was spinning around his penis, and he wanted me to touch it. And he, he took my hand and, and put it on him. Ric Flair is not going to try to impose by force any sexual stuff on to anybody um he's just flaunting styling and profile and doing like the rick flair stuff where everybody's going to laugh about it um but obviously someone took offense to it i remember him crowding the uh the flight attendant like in the in the aisleway back there by the bathroom where it's like real skinny and you can't fit two people through there and stuff i remember him like crowding her and uh you know trying to uh make her uh, touch him and stuff and he kept me back there for, I don't, I don't know how long, um, but it felt like a really long time. It wasn't short, like it was, it was minutes. And I asked him to please stop, and he didn't want me wanted. I don't remember somebody really helping me except one, I believe, gold, gold dust, who had the mic. I do believe he, he told Rick Flair he should leave me alone eventually. He should, he should leave me alone. And maybe that's why I didn't get as angry about the mic as I maybe I should have, you know? I think he did try to help me, and he was the only one that did. And sometimes he controlled him, and sometimes he didn't. But the bottom line is, is that we, we have to stop in our society letting other transgressions go without punishment. 
not as if that Ric Flair evaded any sort of suspension or anything like that. Good question. Uh, I guess, for lack of a better term, he was a made man. And he was such a high-level made man that he had a pass. Was it the right thing to do? I don't know. You're listening to it, folks. You, you decide. He got a pass. So let's stop right there. So you heard from the likes of Rob Van Dam and Jim Ross and others talking about Ric Flair being on a plane naked, you know, with his robe and exposing himself to everybody, including uh, flight attendant Heidi Doyle. You heard from Heidi Doyle there. And, you know, Jim Ross usually is very quick with answers, but did not have a lot of answers when asked all these repercussions where Kurt Heading was fired and this person is reprimanded and this person was suspended, including Scott Hall. So what about Ric Flair? Had no answer. Ultimately saying he's a made man and he got a pass. And that's typical in business. I'm not surprised at that. But, but here's my ultimate point, everybody. Here's my point. Is that Heidi Doyle, who did not know Ric Flair said that I felt uncomfortable with Ric Flair opening his robe and also, as she alleges, Flair went up to her and made her very uncomfortable in the galley. And now, here's what's interesting. Rob Van Dam, who you heard in that last clip, was a witness to this. He saw that what, what happened when Flair tried to get close to Heidi Doyle and he says, I want you to touch my penis. It, it's just... um I'm not surprised of that story because of other things I've heard about these flights and how these wrestling parties get out of hand. But what surprised me is what Tommy Dreamer had to say in this same Vice documentary talking about the dark side of the ring and the plane ride from hell. So after all of this happened with the dark side of the ring, everything that happened as far as the flight, um, there was a settlement that took place between Heidi Doyle and the WWE. And Tommy Dreamer says, If that's how she felt, maybe she should have not taken a payout and went to the fullest extent of the law to then truly put this heinous person in jail. My opinion. So here is what's so bad about that. He says he's never seen Ric Flair puts a woman in a compromising position. Doesn't mean it didn't happen. It's an allegation and a witness in the same documentary from Rob Van Dam. Rob said himself, he says, you know, I don't think it's right for Ric Flair to be twirling his penis around at people. And so for Tommy Dreamer to just kind of just brush it off like it's not important or what, you know, she should have not taken the the payment. Do you realize how many women have alleged uh, sexual misconduct uh, against people and the police don't believe them because there's no witnesses because it's he said versus she said that happens so often and for Tommy Dreamer to just blow it off like it's not important or it's not really a topic I just don't get that I don't understand that and it's almost like sexual assault is indifferent to him it's especially in this case 
Um, and I think that that is really unfortunate for him to have that. Now, now keep in mind, I'm not saying that Tommy Dreamer should lose his job. We do know that he's been suspended from uh, Sirius XM's Busted Open, a show that I host from time to time on the Saturday edition. He's no longer part of Sirius XM for the time being, uh, and also suspended by Impact Wrestling. He was not at the TV tapings recently. So this resonates with a lot of people. It's not businesses covering their ass. It's hearing Tommy Dreamer pretty much say, okay, whatever this lady said, no big deal. She shouldn't have taken the, the payout from the WWE. And so i never seen Ric Flair do it, so it's, it didn't happen. I, I don't understand that thought process. I had to rewind it a couple of times, like, did Dreamer really say that? And I'm like, yeah, he actually did say that because he's trying to protect the boys. He knows Ric Flair one way from all his, his experience, but it doesn't mean you have to shit on the lady. Here's the, the comment, the quote that he should have made. Tommy should have said, I've never seen Ric Flair uh, force his will on someone. And as far as Heidi Doyle, I don't know her story. Um... And what you talk about is, hey, if it did happen, Ric Flair was 100% wrong. If it did happen, for sure, that Ric Flair is wrong for trying to entrap this lady, Miss Doyle, the flight attendant. So you just, so it's both sides. It's like, I've never seen Rick do it, but if she, she alleges that that happened, then I, then Ric Flair or anyone that does that is 100% wrong. Who would disagree with that? And Rob Van Dam is right on target when he talks about it. And I'll, I'll play this for you. Rob is on the dark side of the ring. Uh, and Tommy Dreamer responds right afterwards. Let's hear what Rob has to say. And then Tommy Dreamer right after it. So two ECW originals talking about this issue with Ric Flair, you know, uh, being naked on the plane uh, for everyone to see, including the flight attendants. With his penis, like I don't, I don't really think it's good for everybody to know this uh, about their heroes. You know, some of these guys are freaks. I feel this is trying to portray someone as this sexual predator, and it's not. It's a joke. It's a gag. And today, one thousand percent inappropriate. My hairstyle is inappropriate right now. I am somehow offending someone right now with my double ponytail. How dare I have two ponytails? And my answer is I'm 50 years old. I'm happy I have hair. Um, But if you're asking me, I've hung out with Ric Flair. I've never seen him try to force his will against anybody. So thoughts there from Rob Van Dam. And then you heard from Tommy Dreamer right afterwards. Dreamer is 100% wrong. To equate alleged sexual assault with his hairstyle is just bullshit. It's just dumb. I don't think that Tommy Dreamer should lose his job for this. I mean, my boss is um, Mother Marissa at uh, SiriusXM. I'm sure SiriusXM will make their final determination on exactly when Tommy will return, if he does return. Um, And the same thing with Impact Wrestling. Uh, But... That's, I, I can't understand why he would say that, where he could defend Ric Flair all he wants, but what about this woman? And again, uh, there was a witness in Rob Van Dam that says, yeah, I saw Ric Flair with the robe, uh, unfurling his robe, showing his penis, and trying to get up on this lady, Miss Doyle. So I, I, I don't understand why Tommy Dreamer can't see that. Of course... 
Dreamer had a, a statement to make afterwards. I saw it on Twitter uh, as he apologized for his comments. Let's see if I can find that. Uh, Tommy Dreamer apologized and um, gave his thoughts. He says, regarding my comments on Dark Side of the Ring, I was it was never my intention to offend, hurt, or victim shame anyone. I understand my comments were insensitive and could trigger emotions in someone's own personal past. I do not condone sexual misconduct of any kind. I apologize to anyone I offended. From the bottom of my heart, I am so sorry. And so that was the response from Tommy Dreamer regarding his comments. And again, it's it's fine for him to apologize, but again, in his heart, does he believe it, right? He it, It's as if Tommy's looking at this lady, uh, Miss Doyle, that was on that flight as a flight attendant and says, uh, you know, she's lying. This is why you don't get the stories, uh, the full story of these charges of sexual misconduct, man on woman, woman on woman, uh, we, we don't get that woman on man because a lot of people just don't believe the victim or just get swept under the rug or it's not uh, it's not in the court system. It happens all the time. It's interesting that the WWE deleted story time with Ric Flair off the WWE network off the Peacock network. Now, um, if you remember story time, it's I think it, some of the episodes are still up there, but it is uh, fascinating that immediately Ric Flair, who is not doing commercials lately, uh, he's more relevant now than he was 20 years ago, even 30 years ago, because that he's part of rap albums, Ric Flair Drip, and he's doing the uh, Car Shield commercials and doing other commercials. He's more relevant now in his older age than he was as a performer with the National Wrestling Alliance and, and the WWE, for that matter. And... Flair had this story that he told that was on the uh, on Peacock and also on the WWE Network. Somehow, some way, it's not there anymore. Tell me, stop me if you've heard this before. Greatest airline airport story. Bingo pops up just like that. 1986, Atlanta, Georgia. The niche on his way to defend the World Heavyweight Championship in Honolulu. And all I can think about is that nine-hour ride. God, I hope something exciting is going to happen. I walked on the jetway. They opened the door. The curtains wide open. Six of the most beautiful flight attendants I've ever seen in my life. Four brunettes, two blondes. The anchor, the one in the middle, the blonde, bodacious tatas. She might as well have had a neon sign on her forehead saying, Nature Boy. She said, sit right here, Nature Boy, and I'm going to rock your world for nine hours. Of course, two hours up in the air, we're flying, drinking, laughing, telling stories. Other wrestlers with me, whose names will remain anonymous forever. The focus was on the major anyway. Who cares about the other wrestlers? Pretty soon it happens. Like every flight, the girls pull the robe out of the closet. They say, is this what you wear to the ring? I say, of course it is, girls. What do you think? Gosh, can we see it one time? I go, you can see it all day long. But the nates can't put it on. They say, why won't you put on? I say, I do not put my robe on when I have my clothes on. Then all of a sudden, I don't know where she comes. Why don't you take them off? <laughs> That's what starts it all. That's what's gotten me in so much trouble over the years. But they always encourage it anyway. Here they are, six girls going, Nate, will you take off your clothes and put on your robe? Are you kidding me? 
Who can say no to that? So I step into the bathroom, just clothe myself just like I'm Superman, get ready to jump my outfit, right? They hand in my robe, I put the robe on, I walk out. One of them's leaning against the cockpit door, God forbid the captain come out. And Nate comes out wearing his robe, looking as only I can look. Now at this point, I'm bartering. I show you, you show me. The rest of the story, you figure it out. Woo! <laughs> story time with Ric Flair. So there you have it. I like to see what the fallout's going to be moving forward here with this. Ric Flair was looking to possibly come to AEW. That very well could be the case, maybe not, based on the stories right now. But I just want you to know that I believe that sexual assault is wrong. I think we all can be in agreement with that. Also, I will say this, that if a woman like Miss Doyle, that was the flight attendant, alleged that something happened with Ric Flair and... Rob Van Dam was a witness to it and Tommy Dreamer says oh I've never seen that before I believe Tommy probably has never seen that before but the point is though is to to cast aspersions on the victim the alleged victim that's wrong and so I was uh, really surprised at all of that Dave LaGreca from Busted Open had to make a statement about this because he's the face of that uh, Sirius XM show as I mentioned I do I have worked Radio shows with Tommy Dreamer in the past on Busted Open. Uh, it is the best wrestling show, the only wrestling show on Sirius XM, uh, Fight Nation. Some thoughts from Dave LaGreca, uh, who has worked with Tommy Dreamer, I believe, once or twice a week. Uh, and now Dreamer, not part of Sirius XM for the time being. I mean, as a, as a, as a, as a father, as a husband, you know, knowing my daughter now is just turned 18... You know, and she's about to go out into the world, you know, going to start college soon and, and now is working. You know, th- these are things that I worry about for my own family. And people have had to worry about this for years. And it's just no fucking place for it. There really isn't. There's no place for these this type of thought process, these types of comments, these types of actions. And as I said, they're indefensible. And I'm not throwing this all on Tommy. Tommy made some insensitive remarks on Thursday. And as I said, they're not going to be tolerated. And, and, you know, a lot of people have been looking to us now about what we're going to do about Tommy and Tommy's future. And and as, as far as Tommy's future on Busted Open, for the time being, he's off the show. How long? I, I don't know. I don't know how long Tommy's going to be off the show. You know, I think he needs to take some time. I think he needs some time to reflect, to understand how his comments hurt, his attitude hurt. And I, and I don't know if you can put a timetable on that. So if, if you're looking for that, I, I don't have an answer. But for the time being, Tommy's going to be off of Busted Open. So thoughts there from Dave LaGreca on Busted Open. You can go to the podcast and hear Bully Ray and LaGreca talk about um, Tommy Dreamer and, of course, all the other great wrestling conversation. So let us move on now to uh, hot shotting versus good booking. Let's talk about that for a second. So AEW has been very successful as of late. 
They've been very successful, and they're moving forward in the right direction. Now, as a wrestling fan, I've seen wrestling companies be able to move forward. I've seen this with uh, Impact Wrestling in the past. I've seen this with uh, World Championship Wrestling. And now I see this with uh, All Elite Wrestling. And they're headed in the right direction for sure. Because they're picking up all the hot free agents. And they're garnering momentum on the Turner brand. On TNT. And also, they're doing a great job as far as what they're doing on pay-per-view. The last pay-per-view they had for All Out, I mean, it was an all-timer. So the best pay-per-view that they've had uh, to date. Not just because it was in Chicago, but just because the, the, the it was stacked. I mean, look at that card from top to bottom. It was stacked, and the pay-per-view buys were pretty, pretty solid. I mean, you could just see the AEW is on a roll. There's no doubt about that. And they've had a successful Dynamite in Cincinnati. I know John Moxley, you can go to the archives of Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. John just wanted to get back home. He wanted to be in Cincinnati. There was a snag trying to find the building for, uh, for AEW. They finally were able to get to Cincinnati. I know that John was really happy about being there. And then last week with the company going to Newark, New Jersey. Again, a great crowd in Newark to see AEW. And now they're going to be at Arthur Ashe Stadium in New York City, in Queens, New York City. And they haven't sold it out just as of yet, but I've been looking online and I know that the majority of the seats are taken because I can't remember the last time a wrestling event took place at a tennis stadium. But it's happening and it is a crown jewel of that area to be able to fill that stadium in quote-unquote Vince McMahon's backyard, at least the old backyard of New York, right? So uh, the question I would have is, on the other side with WWE, Big E cashes in the money in the bank. And not only does he cash in money in the bank, uh, the WWE want to make sure that you knew and everyone else knew because they put on social media that Big E is going to cash in Money in the Bank on Monday Night Raw. He was coming to Raw to cash in on Bobby Lashley. Now, that takes the fun out of it. It takes the um, the, the feeling of, wow, it, could this happen? Because Money in the Bank, usually on the cash-ins, it's usually something where you're not looking for it. It just comes out of nowhere. But... The WWE want to make sure that you, as a wrestling fan, knew that there was going to be a cash-in. And now Big E's a WWE champion. And I'm, I couldn't be happier for him, and I'll get to him in just a moment. But I, I, my, my question is for both companies, including NXT, and that's under the WWE brand as well, as you well know, with the NXT 2.0. Is it necessary for all this to happen? I'm not complaining about it. I'm wondering from a business standpoint why they feel this is important. Arthur Ashe Stadium should be something that you see on pay-per-view, right? If you're going to sell it out, I mean, just the spectacle of 18,000, 19,000 people that'll be uh, at Arthur Ashe Stadium, that's awesome. That's going to be an awesome spectacle. It should be really, really great. But they're going to put it on dynamite. Similar to WCW having 35,000 people at the Georgia Dome. They did that a couple times. On a Nitro. Not a pay-per-view, just a Nitro. And I just wonder who AEW is trying to compete against. Who's the WWE trying to compete against? See, AEW has its own night on Wednesdays. And Monday Night Raw has been an institution in wrestling for a long time. If the WWE feels that AEW is gaining on them, well, 
they don't have to do they have to hot shot and put a world title match on on raw they don't have to have a cash in on raw they could do it on the pay-per-view the one thing that WWE, for the most part, has always been good at is ignoring the competition, just doing what they do best. I'm not a Raw fan. I, I, if anything, I'm a SmackDown fan, and I, I appreciate what they do at NXT. But um, I, I just, I'm interested, I'm not complaining about the action. Of course not. I'm not complaining about the action. What I'm wondering about is, from Tony Khan's standpoint, does he feel like he has to continue to raise the bar higher and higher and higher just to be able to compete with WWE? Because AEW, they're their own company too. Their, their contracts and their TVs are good, especially domestically. So it's almost like a competition within the company of how strong they can be from week to week, from month to month. Brian Danielson's part of it. Adam Cole's part of it. Um, Ruby Soho's part of it. And they just continue to go into the free agent well and raise the bar. The hope is is that AEW is doing it for themselves. They shouldn't have to worry about the WWE. They shouldn't worry about the Dave Meltzer key demo and whether or not they beat Raw or not. They just have to continue to have sound storylines and have great matches and be able to have TV that makes sense from Rampage and Dynamite and all the YouTube shows they have. They just have to have everything connect. As I always say on this podcast, it's not necessarily about, Dan- about Brian Danielson or Adam Cole. It's not about the veterans. It's about developing young play- uh, young uh, wrestlers, developing the young talent on the roster. Because it's not about now. Where will you be in four or five years if you're AEW, right? Because remember... I lived through the WCW years, the ups and downs of WCW. And Tony Khan can tell me and everyone else it's different now because, you know, about creative, there's no creative control with the wrestlers. I write the wrestling myself. I don't have help. I'm writing and I'm editing. I'm doing all these things. Okay, that's great. Bottom line is, though, for AEW, I'm not looking for them to crash and fall like other people. I want multiple, vibrant, entertaining professional wrestling shows that's the only thing that's the only way this works you could be the most diehard wwe fan and say yeah you know screw AEW. i don't care about that that's fine it's good though it's good to be able to have multiple companies one company for professional wrestling dominating won't work uh, we already went through that for years where it was just bland wrestling you know bad comedy uh, taking the fans for granted. And now AEW provides something different, and now the fans are curious of what the AEW is going to be about. But it's not about today. It's about the future for this company. So, I, But again, there is no need to hotshot. There is no need to hotshot. There's a need, though, to have quality wrestling on. If you're going head-to-head and you want a hotshot, we already saw that with NXT and AEW. So I, I totally understand why they try to one-up each other. But because Raw's on their night, and NXT's on their night, and Dynamite's on their night, and Impact has their night, and there's SmackDown, and there's Rampage, and there's all the other shows in between, there's no need to try to one-up one company or the other. You just want to raise the bar and give us entertaining wrestling. That's the bottom line.
Ah, yes. Big E wins the WWE Championship. What a moment for that young man, part of New Day. Kofi Kingston first wins the championship, and now Big E is the WWE Champion. He'd been carrying around that briefcase and had been teasing that he was going to go after Roman Reigns and ends up cashing in on Raw. And again, we all saw it. It was almost like a um, a big red flag for the WWE letting us all know, hey, by the way, tune over to Raw. There's going to be a title change. And then, you know, we talk about hot shotting, right? Six-man tag team match with the New Day against the Bloodline of the Usos and Roman Reigns. Reigns coming over to um, to Raw for this big six-man tag team match. It's just, it's interesting time for wrestling. It's almost like both companies, AEW and WWE, are trying to push each other. And I, I'm all for it. I just say it's not, necess- it's not necessary, but I'm glad it's happening. You don't have to hot shot. You don't have to, you just give me a great story and then just give me a great finish. Um, give me a crescendo to the story. But, hey, it's cool. You know, as long as we're getting what we want and they don't take us for granted, I'm all good with it. It just, uh, I like to know where some of these storylines are going uh, and like to know whether or not I'll be satisfied as a fan when the storyline ends with some of these programs for both companies. Um, what else was I? Oh, I was going to talk about how AEW's show at Author Ash, because at the top of the card, it is Brian Danielson against Kenny Omega for the, and again, a non title match is just, uh, they're just going to go after one another. I wonder how long that program is going to last. Uh, that's a dream match for many. You know what I, you know what I will hate about this? I will hate that there's a pitcher in pitcher. <laughs> if this match goes on, they start it and there's like three minutes and they got to go to pitcher and pitcher for five minutes, I'm not going to be happy with that. Because that's why I say, why is this match on Dynamite? I don't want to interrupt it. Unless it's limited commercial interruptions, I, I don't want to see any interruption from that. What I want to see is for those two to go at each other for 15, 20 minutes, whatever TV time allotted, and show us a classic. And maybe we don't get that uh, in New York City, but we should get that at some point because that is a great match. But you Just think about it. Kenny Omega, the AEW champion, um, many... Look at him as the man in professional wrestling, like the like the guy. And then on the other side, Brian Danielson, who was not given the opportunity fully that he really deserved in WWE, and he comes across, you know what, almost heelish sometimes, very direct. It's more the it's more the dragon Brian Danielson than Daniel Bryan, that's for sure. And I want you to think about this. This match is gonna take place and that should blow the roof off. It should be a great match. And at some point, there's going to be a world title match between Omega and Danielson. It's going to be great, too. Remember CM Punk. Remember uh, Adam Cole, the elite, all this stuff. It's it's coming to a head. It's a, a great culmination of talent for Tony Khan and the WWE. So wrestling's in a very good spot in 2021. I think that's very, very cool. Uh, one other thing uh, that I want to mention with AEW and that is something that I did not expect. Once again, you know, you watch this company, AEW, you watch a WWE, you're looking for, you know, certain news and notes. And this came across, which I was really thrilled with. AEW and the Owen Hart Foundation enter into a relationship to honor world-renowned wrestler Owen Hart's legacy. Uh, 
I wonder, before I start reading some of this, I wonder did the WWE ever want to go into a relationship with the Owen Hart Foundation? I wonder if that was ever the case. So it says here in this press release, it's in my email, All Elite Wrestling and the Owen Hart Foundation, a nonprofit charity which provides a vast range of assistance and opportunities to individuals in need across the world, are collaborating to honor the legacy of the late wrestler Owen Hart, a beloved figure in the professional wrestling community and beyond. This collaboration includes launching the annual Owen Hart Cup Tournament within AEW, which will see the winner receive a cup known as the Owen as well as the production and distribution of unique and original Owen Hart merchandise, including uh, specialized retail goods, as well as the upcoming AEW console video game. The Alliance incorporates opportunities to develop Owen Hart's actions figure uh, via AEW's partnership with um, Jazzwars, I believe I'm saying that right, apparel, posters, and additional collectible merchandise. Wow. That is amazing. Tony Khan says AEW's relationship with the Hart family dates back to our inaugural pay-per-view Double or Nothing in 2019, and Owen's influence is still felt today. So that is great that AEW and Owen Hart and his foundation are coming together, and he will be able to have action figures. There's going to be a a tournament called the uh, Owen Hart Cup. Man, that's something. You know, it's it's good that Owen Hart's name is not forgotten. And I don't know what the WWE's deal is with um, the widow of Owen and that family, but I'm glad AEW stepped to the forefront and says, we're going to have a tournament that's going to be called the Owen. I think that's really good. Uh, I have not talked to Mark Henry. I wonder how much Mark Henry's influence is on this because he was very close to Owen, and that might have been a pitch by him, or maybe from Tony Khan. I don't know. I have not talked to Mark about this, but, uh, man, it is uh, – that's awesome. I love that. That's really good news for us as wrestling fans that Owen's name will be uh, brought out. There will be a tournament in his name, and uh, the cup will be called the Owen. It's really cool. And that'll do it with this edition of uh, Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. Just a quick reminder about NXT. If you haven't watched NXT 2.0, check it out. A lot of young, raw talent uh, on that roster. It's so good to see Rick Steiner's son. Braun Breaker? Is that his? Oh, my God. So he beats um, the former Eli Drake. Um, And it surprised me. I was like, wow. So Rick Steiner's kids just looks like him, man. It just as far as the power, how strong that young man is, man, he he is destined for greatness. It is a different show, that's for sure. Not a bad show. So I always tell you I'm an NXT fan. But 2.0, man, they I just like how they lit the arena. It's a, has a different look. It's I think this might be Bruce Pritchard's doing because Bruce Pritchard always quotes Jim Ross and says, you know, all you just need is a fresh coat of paint. And looks like NXT went over, had a makeover, pretty much. Um, you've got the uh, the kind of the white background. The, the people are more lit. Uh, it's not the dark uh, kind of arena it was before. So it has a little bit of a raw 
SmackDown type of feel. But you know what? It's nothing wrong with something new. And they actually did well that last episode uh, for 2.0. So that was all good. Good to see that. Don't forget to follow along on Twitter and on Instagram at WrestlingTWT. Again, it's WrestlingTWT. As always, I appreciate your support. Just tell someone that Jonathan Hood is talking wrestling Tuesday, Wrestling Tuesday. Tweet it out. Share this uh, podcast with everyone. And we'll do it next time. Unless there's breaking news, we'll do this next week. Until then, so long for now. Thanks for listening to Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday.